Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Fourth and Manageable, an SEC football podcast. Brought to you by 2400 Sports. Now, here's Brad Edwards. All right, so here's the the part of the podcast that I really enjoy, which is taking questions from some of our listeners. And Tyler, uh, one of the questions that came in is about Arkansas. And Mitch wants to know, what do you make of the Razorbacks right now? Uh, We've seen them play twice, right? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, week one, they squeaked one out, didn't play their best ball. And I think, uh, you know, week two, I said in – one of the last episodes that the Pittman needed to get the run game going, needed to get his O-line, you know, hungry. And he did that this week. I mean, they kind of ran at will when they wanted to. They had big chunk plays uh, that we didn't see in week one. Uh, I think KJ handled the ball. He was a game manager today, you know, 18 to 21. Wasn't a big flashy game. Wasn't, you know, a lot of shots downfield, but I think offensively they were very balanced today and, if Arkansas stays like that, I think they're going to be a tough team to beat. Where would you position them in the SEC West based on what you've seen? Uh, they're definitely, I, I'd say number two. Uh, Ole Miss, I think, is still ranked, but I haven't really played anybody yet. That's, you know, a big time game until we see that. I don't think you can move them past Arkansas. Fair enough. Fair enough. Arkansas was my uh, SEC sleeper, by the way, coming into the season. Now, they were preseason ranked, and I, I, I clarified that when I made that pick. I know they're ranked, but but I felt like Arkansas was a team that, when I looked at the schedule, had a good chance uh, to have the type of season that Ole Miss had last year. You know, 10-2, and two, end up in the uh, uh, in a New Year's Six game. And, and I, I 
I'm with you. That's kind of what I see when I look at them. Um, we we have a, a question um, from Twitter. Uh, it comes to us from Tidebits. I, I love Twitter because you get great names. Um, does Bama have the talent at wide receiver to run the table? Based on what you saw today, just you know today against Texas, what would what would your answer be? I would say no. I don't think they could. I mean, if they went in and played Georgia like they played Texas today, I think it's it'd look a lot like the the Oregon game did. Uh, as crazy as that might sound, but they don't have the deep threat that they've had in years past. I mean, they're having a dink and dunk and not getting those big chunk plays they're used to having. I mean, they had the 80-yard run today, but I'm talking more throwing the ball. They haven't had, you know, the throws they've had in the past and the exciting offense we've seen. And so – I think they're going to struggle when they, you know, have to play a good team. Yeah, I, I think when when they get into games against better defenses, and look at this point, I guess we're just speculating that Texas is not a, a great defense. Um, maybe maybe that'll turn out to be to be wrong. But you know, I, I think about last year. There were a number of games last year where it kind of felt like receivers couldn't get open. Like this isn't the first time we've seen this from from Alabama with Bryce Young as the quarterback. He's just looking, looking, and there's nobody there. Last year, Jamison Williams, after a few games, started to emerge as that that big play guy who was stretching the defense. And you're right. You you don't see that on this year's team. And my feeling is if it's there, it's either going to be Tyler Harrell, the Louisville transfer, who is a speed guy who has not played yet through the first two games. He's been banged up, but but is expected to be out there soon. He could be that guy, if, if or it could be a true freshman. Um, and there, there are a couple of true freshmen, I think, could be in, in that mix, but uh, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to prove it in practice and get on the field. And so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you there, Tyler. Like, right now, with, with the absence of a, of a deep threat, it it doesn't seem like um, as as much as the SEC West seems to be ripe for the taking. It just doesn't seem like like Alabama is going to be able to get through it without dropping a game somewhere if they can't get more explosive on offense. And then um, the the last question that we have here, and I'm I'm gonna let me see if I can try to paraphrase this because this was a this was a long question that we got through email uh, from Dossie. Um, he, he addressed it to me. He said, I think I heard you say on ESPN radio one time on a Sunday after a college football Saturday. Um, and let me just preface, I know what he's talking about here. And this was, I want to say this was like 2014. This is about like eight years ago. Um, that the sign of a great dynasty beginning to fall apart is when they struggle to put away bad teams. You then made a point that same day that Alabama had dominated everybody good and bad teams, et cetera. Okay, so what happened is I had written an article for ESPN.com, and the reason I'm pretty sure it was the 2014 season is because Alabama and Oregon uh, were the top two seeds going into the playoff that year. And the angle was kind of, um, this was earlier in that season, uh, was, and you just got to remember how good Oregon used to be. This was Chip Kelly into, you know, handing off to Mark Helfrich. And, and they were, destroying people in the Pac-12. And and I, I made the comment that that if you look historically at the most dominant programs, the first sign that they're starting to slip 
they're losing their edge is when unranked teams start to challenge them. And I made the point that it it had just started to happen to Oregon. They'd had a couple of games that season that were close, but it had not started to happen to Alabama. And my whole point of it was to was Oregon's going to fall off before Alabama does. And obviously that happened. So what we've seen from Alabama the last two years to today against Texas was the fifth regular season win by seven points or fewer that Alabama has had in the last two seasons. So when I say two seasons, we're talking about last season plus two games. Okay. Of this season, five wins by seven points or fewer in the previous six seasons combined, Alabama had four wins by seven points or fewer in the regular season. So this, this is, this is different. You know, we're not used to seeing Nick Saban teams play close games in the regular season and especially not against unranked teams. So just Tyler, from your perspective, when you, when you hear all that. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. What are your thoughts? I know uh, you were playing when this dynasty was really built by Alabama, when they were starting to first put it together and go on that run where they won three national championships in four years. And it's amazing it's gone as long as it has. And I'm not saying that they aren't, you know, a, a serious threat to win it again this year. But but there are signs here that I don't even know if I want to say teams are catching up to them as much as there just seems to be something missing from Alabama that hasn't been missing um, in in the previous few seasons. Yeah, I think major thing is probably recruiting uh, when it comes down to it. When you see teams fall off over, not fall off, like they, they haven't fallen off, obviously, but they're definitely regressing in sorts. They're not doing the huge blowout wins that they used to. I think teams are starting to kind of catch them in the recruiting game. I think all the coaches that are leaving Alabama and moving to different schools who are big parts of the recruiting process for Nick Saban are stealing the usual talent that Alabama would get. And so I think his web of coaches is spread out far enough now to where, you know, they're still in those top players that he was so used to easily getting. Yeah. Well, look, and I, I think there's something to that. And I know some people say, well, if you look at the rankings of their recruiting classes, um, they're still right up there, if not number one, close to it. But what I would say to your point is, is the two areas where they seem to have really fallen off these last two years, where we're used to them being so dominant, are receiver, which we just talked about, where, where there's not the game breaker, there's not the, this guy is unquestionably a first-round pick. I mean, really, for the last decade plus, Alabama's pretty much had one of those guys every year. Like, the, at least one. I mean, that you're looking at like that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like you go back from, from Julio into Amari Cooper into Calvin Ridley, into what, four of them simultaneously with, you know, they had uh, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, and Jalen Waddle all at the same time. And then Jamison Williams transferred in last year was a first round pick. I, I don't see that guy this year. No. <laughs> and, and so that's one area. The other is the offensive line where despite having a, a lot of five stars and high four stars, they're not dominating. They're not, they're not blowing people off the ball. Bryce Young is under pressure too much. I mean, fortunately for them, the, the guy is incredible with his feet and maneuvering in the pocket, making throws um, while he's not stationary. 
but this is this is not what we're used to seeing from Alabama at those at, at those two position groups offensively, and I, th- I think that's a big part of of what seems to have changed. Yeah, I think the offensive line still though. I mean, they're not dominating like they used to, but I mean, he has all day to throw back there. I feel like some of the times he's you know getting pressured or because he's sitting back there for so long that eventually someone breaks through because it's hard for those alignment to block for that long especially if he's moving side to side in the pocket, it's tough for them to hold on to their blocks for that long. And so I think it's kind of a mixture of them doing, you know, good up front and just taking too much time to throw the ball. And that was a lot of Alabama conversation. Um, those two questions. And then, and then at the very beginning of the show, but look, it's, it's not every day that uh, Alabama has a one point win and we get a chance to, uh, to, to question whether the dynasty is nearing its end. I'm not about to say that, by the way. I've, I've spent the last 15 years listening to people speculate that the dynasty's over and it, it, it seems to, to always survive uh, these close calls and come out on the other side. Don't forget, they lost at A&M last year and they still took the lead into the fourth quarter of the national championship game. So uh, I think Alabama is going to be all right, but uh, definitely were some things today to be concerned about. So Tyler, thanks as always uh, for, for talking sec football with me and um, for, for everybody else out there. Um, thanks for downloading. And uh, you can get us again on, uh, on well, you, you can get me, you'll get Tyler again every, uh, every Saturday night. You can listen to it on, on Sundays. Um, But our show, Fourth and Manageable, you can get it on Tuesdays and Thursdays as well. So thanks for listening, and we'll be talking to you on Tuesday.